0: Good morning welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host Allison Josephs also known as Jew in the City I hope everyone is having a good back to school start whether your kids are in actual school or in virtual school um, this I guess topic of a new school year um, besides everyone having worries about the coronavirus which is kind of in the back of or the front of everyone's mind um, and I guess um, sort of the challenges around coronaviruses besides the um, health challenges, the physical health challenges, there's also um, the mental health challenges, um, you know, around isolation, around, you know, routines being as disrupted around school, having to go to school with masks on. Um, so that's something that we've definitely been thinking about and talking about. Um, but then another added piece of going back to school is just sort of the regular school environment of interacting with children and pressures you know around social groups um and so we have a guest today um who specializes in um you know kind of children dealing with um i guess bullying and um some some of the challenges that go on um as kids mature um and you know we think it's important that um Orthodox Judaism, Orthodox Jews value sort of the the full picture of health. Whether it's you know taking, I would, we just posted on uh, our Facebook page about um, a guide to being safe in the you know coronavirus times, with sort of all the different things you can do to care for your physical health. Um, at the same time, caring for our mental health and being you know as healthy and solid a person as we can be, um, unless we have sort of those basic foundational stabilities. Um, Being a Jew doesn't work. We need to sort of be a healthy, thriving human being, um, or else um, those things that we do to serve God don't work out well. So um, speaking about um, how to kind of have that full balance and holistic picture um, is very much in line with what we do here. And we're very excited to welcome our guest, Dr. Jeffrey Kranzler. He's a child at Adolescent and adult therapist in Bethesda, Maryland. He's a graduate of Johns Hopkins University and served as co-editor of the Johns Hopkins Lampoon publication. Dr. Kranzler also consults for the Maryland affiliate of the National Mentoring Resource Center and specializes in creating mentoring programs that serve immigrant youth. Dr. Kranzler is a proud dad, husband, son, and brother, and loves spending time with his family, playing pickup basketball, jamming to the blues on harmonica, going for walks in the woods, swimming, and all things superheroes. And he is also uh, an author. Um, He recently wrote a comic book called The Crimson Protector, sort of in this space. Um, Dr. Kranzler, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Sure, my pleasure. So, um, Yeah, I guess if you could um, kind of introduce our audience to where you come from, where you grew up, how you grew up Jewishly.
1: Absolutely. So I was born to an Orthodox family uh, on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. We uh, moved to Teaneck, New Jersey uh, when I was about six years old, and um, I grew up in the uh, Jewish day school system, uh, Jewish high school system. Uh, went to uh, Israel to study for a year uh, after high school and always grew up with a very strong connection to Judaism and the role that social justice and mental health plays in Judaism. Uh, basically, my entire family is involved in the mental health field. Uh, mm-hmm. My father and uncle are psychiatrists. My sisters uh, are therapists my cousins it basically you know the cranslers really just do one thing if you ever see a cransler doing something else other than mental health you stay far away i'm just <laughs> kidding i'm just kidding for all my uh, relatives who do something else um but um seeing how uh mental health feeling healthy and confident and well as a jew is a, a huge part uh, of being uh jewish and this is you know, seeing it not only through my family's values, also through the Judaic texts that, that we studied.
0: Yeah, I was going um, to ask you to prove it in the text. What would you, <coughs> what would you give as uh, some proof text for why being um, healthy emotionally is part of the, the Jewish ideal?
1: Absolutely. So I, I personally connect with three uh, pieces. Uh, the first is in the Torah, which says, bohem, and you shall live through them, in which uh, we interpret that as a responsibility to be healthy, mm-hmm. um, and mental health is a really huge part of being healthy. There's a mind-body connection, and when you're mentally healthy, it actually affects your physical health, um, in addition to the mental health. Um, the other part is from Tehillon, um, and it, it says that uh, Hashem, uh, God is, Arufei is a healer of the broken-hearted. Um, And that very much resonates with me, that that when we say that God is the rofe, that God is the healer, that mental health is a really huge piece of that. And we know that when it comes to health, we don't sit back like, you know, some others and say, we're just going to let God take care of it. We're going to do nothing. We have to partner with God in all of the health uh, activities that we are involved in. And I think the third piece that has always spoken to me is actually the work of Rav Nachman. Uh, the, the, the Rav of Breslov, and if you take a look at his writings, he speaks so potently, so poetically to people who are suffering from mental health issues and gives advice that mixes so beautifully uh, mental health pieces as well as Torah pieces to elevate people, and, and, and that's something that people connect with even today, where, right? you know, there's there's no Rebbe of, uh, of the Breslov, Uh, Hasidic movement, and yet it has so many followers to Rav Nachman, who who nobody today has actually met through the writing, and I think a lot because he's able to so uh, perfectly uh, meld the health, the mental health, and the Torah together
0: beautiful. I'm going to add one now. Um, when I was in seminary, um, I thought that I was going to stump my uh, rabbi one day. And I said to him, if the Torah says you're supposed to love your neighbor as you love yourself, what if you don't love yourself? You're supposed to love your neighbor as little as you love yourself. Um, and he said, stop. The Torah is meant for healthy people, um, which I just thought was so deep that um, when, you know, when there are underlying issues going on in a person's stability or happiness, um, it observing mitzvahs and Torah could start to become problematic. We need to sort of have that baseline stability of, you know, functioning before um, those acts, added pieces of spirituality can be added on. Um, and this is something that we, you know, definitely think about a lot at Project where. And I'm going to share that, that God is the Hitler of the brokenhearted with our members. It's so beautiful. That's definitely something that, you know, we think a lot about. And the truth is that attention to mental health has also very much come into my life now. Um, because we are dealing with so many um, trauma victims. So, so, you, so basically being born into an orthodox family, into a mental health family, um, life went well. And so you sort of, it was almost written that this is how your life was going to continue. So um, tell us about your schooling, um, you know, kind of how, what you decided to do with, with uh, the decision to go into mental health.
1: Absolutely. And actually I did not study mental health in college. In college, I was intending to write for Hollywood, and the reason I wanted to write for Hollywood, actually, is because I saw the the ability of fiction to cause uh, help, that the ability not only to have a little bit of a break from reality, from people who are suffering uh, from a very difficult reality, but the ability to communicate messages so effectively through fiction, it's a very different piece than You know teaching skills straight out which i think people can have a a little bit of resistance to Mm -hmm. when somebody learns something through a storytelling either in a book or in uh media Mm -hmm. that it's ingested so much more organically so that was my idea that's what i had wanted to do Mm -hmm. um and my idea, I loved The Simpsons. I wanted to write for The Simpsons. And in 2004, I was like, this has show has been around for 13 years. There's no way I'm gonna be able to write for that. Meanwhile, 16 years later, going strong. Um, <laughs> so.
0: I wanna just tell you, first of all, I was sitting, I remember in Glee Club, I was in the choir of my high school. I wasn't observant then. We came up with an episode idea. I mean, this was probably 1995, something like that. Because the show has been on for like forever, they and we had itchy, and, itchy and scratchy land. It hadn't existed. <laughs> episode actually came about because I think they have had to write every episode that is humanly possible. So we actually wrote it in our uh, glee club class, and um, and then the episode came about, And they made Donald Trump president. Really, they're they're just <laughs> uh, people in there have uh, pr- prophecy. Um, yeah. So you wanted. So what you studied writing in college, or
1: absolutely, I. Uh... Uh-huh. Got my degree in in, in uh, the writing seminars, and at you know one of the things they required was for you to take science classes. And uh, me not being very good at math or science, I decided to take soft sciences as they call mm-hmm. them, and a lot of mental health classes. And I was just absolutely inspired, and ended up um, you know I was on path. I uh, to uh, to I had gotten an internship with Warner Brothers, was kind of headed nice. towards uh, the Letterman show. Um, and I actually decided to change course and mm-hmm. to go to social work school. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to Yeshiva University Social Work School, the Wurzweiler School of Social Work for a mm-hmm. uh, master's and a PhD, and I just connected uh, with providing healing. And, you know, I originally wanted to do healing through through the power of fiction, but healing directly through um, mental health just spoke to me. And I just absolutely loved it and started my career that way and haven't stopped in terms of working with kids who struggle with social anxiety, struggle with mood, struggle with bullying, um, and really about not only listening, but also teaching skills in session mm-hmm. that allows them uh, to really feel empowered to to be able to
0: handle this outside of session two.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Is there a reason why you chose children or teens as sort of your um, target area that you're most passionate about?
1: Absolutely. I. You know, I love, I actually loved working across the lifespan. Some of my favorite work is is with uh, individuals uh, who are over the age of 80 and 90 years old. Hmm. Um, I liked the thought about uh, working with kids and teens because I felt like if I could get in then and help establish skills, that these are skills that could last for decades Mm -hmm. and really impact a full uh, life.
0: And where, in terms of the anxiety, or you know, some of, I mean, obviously bullying comes about because someone else. Maybe that's another question. How does one become a bully? But would you say, do are people just born more anxious? Are there certain things that happen in an environment that bring on anxiety? Are certain people born more like bullies? Are there certain things that happen in an environment turn them into bullies? Do you have any thoughts about sort of causation in, in those spaces?
1: Absolutely. You know we have a debate nature versus nurture how much are you born with how much are you impacted and the reality is that both play a major role when it comes to an anxiety disorder that's a genetic uh gift uh from you know uh, using the term facetiously but that that is that is a genetic gift that is something you're born with and it can be activated it can kind of hide in the background but you know, you were talking before about uh, trauma victims, and whether something is considered a trauma or or a sub-trauma, or even not even in that realm, um, when uh, when it's activated, um, that really can cause uh, an ongoing piece in in and it very rarely do we see um, an anxiety disorder uh, in somebody with absolutely no background of it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, it has to be uh, triggered. Now, when we're talking about bullies, there is this uh, misconception that bullies generally are people who are suffering and they just, they don't know how to express it. Well, the research shows something very differently. Uh, bullies generally have a greater than average, a uh, great point uh, average. Mm. They have greater than average social skills. In fact, it's not a poor expression of social skills. What bullies do is they are more advanced and they see, hey, listen, I know how to gain power. It's about gaining power. Mm. And the way I do that, is by utilizing the social skills that i have to know how to really best most effectively get under people's skin and when i get under their skin i am uh, I, I gain power and so it is very much a targeted a purposeful uh power grab that happens to be uh, a quite effective uh, the 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 statistic is that 84% of bullying Takes place in front of other people, and I think that's an under-under-reported mm-hmm. statistic. The point of bullying is for other people to see you higher as you put somebody else down.
0: So I'm gonna jump in here, go back to Hollywood references. So the um sort of archetypal Biff character from Back to the Future that yes. we're quoting. So he's he's the doofus. meaning he's stupid? So you would disagree that them casting him as the dumb character is actually wrong. That if they had done their psychological research, they would have made Biff smarter and sort of use his sort of use his talents in an evil way. Is that kind of the
1: Absolutely and they were using the research available in the eighties? Okay. Uh, when this was made. I mean, this is, this is more accurate and effective research. Not to say that there aren't idiots out there who do <laughs> bullying. There, there mm-hmm. certainly are, mm-hmm. but they're not the best ones. Mm-hmm. The best bullies, the most effective bullies are the ones who use their skills.
0: So I guess I'm thinking, I read this great book, um, Sarah, the Bucket Filler. Um, and then we're going to talk about your book in a moment about this. And I think it's a concept, but they, it was made for like a Jewish audience about someone whose bucket is empty. And then she Well, the mean person goes around trying to take out of other people's bucket to try to fill her bucket up more but Sarah the bucket filler has such a full bucket because she's been given the love and the resources that she needs at home that she can go around and fill other people's bucket and doesn't deplete her bucket so is the bully not the person with the empty bucket that's looking to take from someone else's bucket and make themselves feel better is that that's what I tell my kids when they complain to me Sure. And and again, it's not to say that
1: that doesn't exist out there, but that actually has been the archetype, like you said, that's been the general perception of it. And when we find, though, that that the effective bullies are the ones who perhaps are are the ones who are more talented, frankly, Mm -hmm. and using their social skills, they're actually just simply using their ability. You know, when it comes to, you know, and I love the bucket analogy, and that's that's definitely out there. It's not to say that they have an always absolutely full bucket. It's just that they're using the wrong way to fill up whatever part of the bucket they want to fill up.
0: Mm -hmm. All right. So tell us now about your new comic book, The Crimson Protector. This seems like really a marrying of your two passions, mental health and uh, storytelling through creativity. So um, when did you come up with a book? What's the book about? Um, Why a comic book to tell this story?
1: So sure. So actually, uh, instead, of it's told in a actually a novel form. It's not officially comic book, even though the cover Got makes it. it seem completely like a comic book. Got it. Um, and it's very much in the vein of comic books. What I was what I was doing is as a therapist, like I said before, I, I'm teaching skills. And I always believed in from my training at Johns Hopkins in terms of the writing that like I said before, that fiction is such a powerful way of communicating skills. And it's wonderful that I teach it in session, but people know that I'm teaching it. When you have a book, when you have fiction, and there's no, in in this book, there is absolutely no workbook. There's no list. Hey, you must review these skills. It's simply taught through the experience and the interactions of this main character. And I feel you know, that is such a powerful way to communicate it because in good writing, in good fiction, you don't just read it, you actually feel like you're living it. And by having kids live the successes and frankly, the failures of this character, they're able to experience um, these uh, triumphs, the tragedies, and, oh, I wouldn't say tragedies, I think that's, that's being a little bit melodramatic, but the roadblocks as well as the triumphs of this character and be able to actually live the skills as they're being performed is such a, a great way to to give kids that skills.
0: So, who is it targeted for? Um, and you know, I guess what they're, they're going to walk away. The crimson protector is the person that protects the person from the bully. Like, can you give us a little bit of like um, like a sneak peek into the uh, the story behind it, or what you know, kind of the the story arc?
1: Absolutely. So, uh, the main character, James Gast is uh is somebody who is seeing bullying taking place uh, is lacking the confidence to approach people and this character says I finds out about mentoring and reaches out to a mentor to help him develop confidence and this is a, a really huge part of the book is encouraging kids to not wait for adults to notice something is going wrong middle schoolers are amazing and by the way this this book is aimed at the middle school, the tween population. Mm-hmm. Uh, the middle schoolers are amazing at keeping things from parents and adults. Mm-hmm. And it's really about encouraging them to reach out for help rather than waiting for people to see it. So, he reaches out to this mentor. The mentor helps him develop confidence to speak to people, um, and this character makes an error. This character says, okay, I got confidence. What am I going to do? I'm going to confidently be a superhero. I'm going to use force to end bullying i'm going to use force uh, to up my confidence and the character is an error there and this the story shows how the use of force simply doesn't work and how switching over to not needing to be a uh, a, a theoretical superhero to put a mask on mm-hmm. but rather to be able to be the confident person that this character needs to be in order to stand up uh for kids who are being bullied, in order to interact in the way this kid wants to interact, that—that's the real message of it. That—that that, you know, at one point, uh, this character says, "Now I know what it feels like to be a superhero," and that is mm-hmm. once he's taken off the mask.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Would you say that um, to step in when someone else is being bullied is that did that come about that storyline um, from like Jewish values?
1: Oh, it's an absolute Jewish value. Uh, you know, Tzedek, tzedek You, we, our job is to pursue justice, not to say, hey, let me sit back and wonder if an opportunity will come along. Let me pursue it. And it's first about this character discovering the wrong way to pursue justice mm-hmm. and then the right way to pursue justice. This character is is inspired by uh, the civil rights movement history of his town and in 1963 with the Freedom Rider movement, where um, Uh, There was a group of people who went to the South to help register uh, voters uh, who were being persecuted and discriminated against. A third, a third of every single one of those Freedom Riders was a Jewish woman. Hmm. And justice for us is a part of our DNA. Uh, And so connecting to that uh, is a really important piece. And this character learns the wrong way to do it and then figures out the right way.
0: I was going to also add, don't stand idly by your neighbor's blood, this uh, idea of, you know, seeing something going wrong and inserting yourself to make it better. That's definitely um, something that I'm inspired by. Um, What kind of feedback have you gotten?
1: Oh, it's been absolutely fantastic. I've had it read by teachers, by parents, by other therapists, and most importantly, by middle schoolers. And if you take a look on Amazon, it's getting five-star reviews people are talking about how and this is what I love they can't you know one of the the quotes from a middle school reader is I, I couldn't put it down hmm. that it's so engaging and also that the, the that they're taking away the lessons too but it's not in a workbook form it's in a fiction in a fun
0: exciting adventure so let's say someone listening here has a teen or middle school kid who's um, who's getting bullied who's afraid their kids getting bullied should the parents buy this book and say this is a book against bullying or should just say, oh, this is a great book with great reviews without giving like how How should the listener now who thinks that our child might benefit from it? Because um, sometimes kids are like, ma, I mean, you know, never my kids, of course, but
1: <laughs> never mind as well. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think that's a really good question. And I, and I don't think parents should say, here's a book about bullying. Why don't you read it? Um, I really think it should be, hey, I heard great reviews. This is a really fun book. I know that you like adventure. I know that you like sci-fi. I know that you like superheroes. And mm-hmm. I thought this might be good. And, and the learning takes place uh, w- when parents don't push it. I think that it's, it gives the kids ability to inhe- to take it and make it their own. They're not mm-hmm. fighting automatically like a middle schooler or a teen is supposed to do uh, is to fight against what the parents want. But when we don't want anything from them, they're free to say, oh i'm the one who decided to take something out of this and the greatest thing that we can do as parents is to uh, uh, you know to transmit messages in a way that makes our kids think that they were the ones who came up with it
0: and what about do you have any plans to try to get this into school curriculums
1: absolutely i'm I'm trying to reach out to uh, i'm reaching out to educators uh, teachers administrators and really hoping that it could be a part of a curriculum. Not only is it fun, not only is it teach uh, skills, it actually has a, co- uh, a a very large reference to a literary work uh, that um, that is hidden, uh, that it w- won't come out unless you're aware of it. But it's also a great way to introduce it to a classic uh, to a classic book.
0: Amazing. And do you think that um, this may be the beginning of uh like a writing sort of side career for you? Like, you know, if it seems like it's getting good reviews and good responses, could there be part two or another element of your work that you would incorporate into, um, some sort of fiction or.
1: Oh, absolutely. I, I plan on making more of these and, uh, you know, based on the reaction to it, um, there's going to be some, uh, so, some real clamoring for it real soon. So uh, I gotta get, I gotta get on that right away.
0: Um, and if you could let our listeners know, um, how can they, let it, you know, give us the, the title again and let, the, let us know how they can purchase it.
1: Absolutely. So the title is The Crimson Protector. And you can find out more information about it at www.thecrimsonprotector.com. And also if you simply type that into Amazon in your search box, it will take you to, uh, it is available on Amazon both in print book as well as ebook. Uh, so that's available again, the crimson uh, or simply typing the crimson protector into, uh, Amazon.
0: Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for, um, you know, using your creativity to better the world. I would say in terms of the, you know, the type of Orthodox Jews we like to feature, we like to show that, you know, self-expression and creativity can be part of the package. And obviously, um, making the world a better place, um, you know, being, you know, a healthy person, both in mind and spirit. So you uh, checked off a lot of our boxes here. So um, you should have uh, continued Hatzlacha in um, making the world a better place, really, like a, like a regular superhero without a cape. <laughs>
1: Thank you so much.
0: Okay. And thank you all for listening. Um, And if you think the middle middle schooler you know um, might benefit from it, uh, check out Dr. Kranzler's book, The Crimson Protector. Thank you for listening. um, And you can catch us same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.